Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by Swine Tech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board, Intervention, Crystal Spring, Johnsonville Foods, High Pork Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Fibro Animal Health, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com. Brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rohde, your host for today's episode. Today, we're talking about sustainability with Gary Acey and Amy Scotchless. How are you guys doing today? Great. Fabulous. How are you, Matthew? Wonderful. I'm up in Banff for a conference up here, and it's uh, it's a beautiful day, and, and I'm excited to talk about this topic with you guys. It often can go down many different paths, and they're often all very fun to talk about. So to start things off, I would love for you both to introduce yourself, your background, and how you got involved with the swine industry. And I'd love to start with with Gary. Okay. I'm Gary Acey. I'm from Osco, Illinois, north, northwestern Illinois. I have a grain farm and a couple of hog buildings on there. I started out in hogs as a 4-H project, a FFA project, a long time ago. I've had hogs around most of the, the time in between. Uh, I also have served uh, six years on the board of the Illinois Pork Producers Association, uh, six years on the board of the National Pork Producer Council, and six years on the, the board of the National Pork Board. And towards the end there, I was on the Sustainability Task Force, and um, a lot of interesting things came out of that. How about you, Amy? Awesome. I'm Amy Scotchless Cole. I'm the president of Trust in Food, which is a division of Farm Journal, uh, the media company, that is really focused on supporting producers as they make their journey around conservation agriculture. I'm based in Minnesota. Um, my background is all in conservation. I have been doing food, fiber, fuel, sustainability for going on 30 years. Um, we, um, uh, one of the things we do at Trust in Food is actually support uh, and organize an effort called America's Conservation Ag Movement, which is a public-private partnership with NRCS and about 18 different partners. Um, and the National Pork Board is a really critical and important uh, thought leader partner to us in that effort. So before we get into talking about sustainability, Really want to thank National Pork Board for helping set this up and, and bring you on today. It's going to be a little bit about talking about the definition, a little bit about actual practice. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the benefits from sustainability on-farm reports, and we're going to get into Climate Smart and a bunch of other stuff. But before we get into that, I'd like to ask a couple of questions. I haven't done these before. So um, I'm going to start with Gary, rapid fire, favorite movie. Ooh, favorite movie. Ah, well, Fast and Furious. Which one? <laughs> the first? Uh, we'll start with one, the original. 
That's a good one. And what's your favorite food? Oh, pork. There you go. You would have delayed on that one. I would have had to give you a hard time. What about you, Amy? What's your favorite movie? Okay, so I'm sitting here trying to come up with one that sounds smarter than what is actually my favorite movie. Um, but I am a Keanu Reeves fan, and my favorite movie is definitely Point Break. Oh, nice. <laughs> and what's your favorite place you've ever traveled to? Uh, well, I, uh, I lived and worked in Brazil for a number of years in Rio de Janeiro, so it still feels like uh, my favorite place to go to. I have wanted to make that hike in Rio. That uh, looks beautiful there. It so is. let's it's jump gorgeous. into yeah, let's jump into sustainability. And Gary, I want to start with you. Um, I want to ask you what your definition of sustainability is. But I'd also like you not to yet jump into actual practices, but from a definition standpoint, talk about how that might have evolved over your career. Okay. Uh, the for our overall view, especially where we talk for the pork industry, um, doing what's right for people, pork, uh, pigs, and the planet. Uh, that may sound like a, a canned statement there, but uh, to me, that, that says it all. You know, we're doing what's right for all three. Um, it should be sustainable and uh, good for everybody involved. Um, so that's kind of evolved over the years for me. You know, it's a you know, 10 years ago, you said sustainability to me, and I would really have to think about that. Um, but I've been involved a lot more and working on sustainability for the pork industry. So that's kind of where I've evolved to. Yeah, it feels like just the term sustainability has become more practical. I felt like 10 years ago, or at least just growing up, that sustainability was kind of a word that was used, but it wasn't necessarily used for the most practical things. And it feels like now with agriculture and society, we're starting to practically define and measure. And And I'd love to kind of jump into how you do that and how your farm practices sustainability. Okay. On uh, our operation, uh, I'll start out uh, on the hog buildings there. You know, we, we use uh, uh, wet dry feeders with the uh, the waterers in the feeder, that's uh, definitely less uh, water usage over time. Uh, the lighting, um, originally was CFLs and working as those burn out to replace them with LEDs. I have uh, solar panels on the farm that produce about 75 to 80% of the electricity that we use in a year's time. Uh, on the farming practices, you know, uh, I use uh, manure as my major source of fertilizer. I analyze um, the manure on a yearly basis for the ingredients. Um, I soil test um, on one acre grids to uh, make sure I know what chemicals, uh, what nutrients I need. Um, I apply the manure, inject it, um, uh, apply, apply it after the soil temperatures reach 50 degrees. Also on the ground, I've been 100% no-till for 20 plus years. I use cover crops, I've been using them for 12 plus years. And um, it's just majority of the practices that I do, but uh, there are things that I weave in there too for sustainability. So on that note, when we talk about sustainability, there's the environmental impact and there's 
doing more with less. But there's some other intangibles. When you talk about wet, dry feeders, when you talk about changing lighting, there's a quality of life component for for the pigs as well. Can you, can you talk about how the decisions you've made to be sustainable has also improved the quality of life for maybe your pigs and even your people? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. One of the major things here you talk about, you know, some people would look at a, a modern hog building with pigs in it and say that's not sustainable. Uh, to, but to me, that is uh, very much sustainable. You know, you have those pigs in a climate co- control facility. Um, they have plenty of fans to help keep them cool and misters in the summertime. Uh, well, inside bale buildings with heat uh, to keep them warm and comfortable uh, in the wintertime. Uh, those pigs, when they're more comfortable, um, they're going to consume less feed to get, uh, get to market. To me, that's sustainability. And also, you know, being in buildings, it helps keep those pigs healthier. And it's another thing to uh, working towards uh, making those hogs uh, more sustainable as they, we produce pork. Yeah, and it's, uh, I think, something that consumers, and even new people in the industry don't pick up on quickly is a lot of the modern ways we raise pigs it's expensive right to be sustainable it's not cheap to have nice barns that have great ventilation consistent temperature and uh high quality ingredients it's it's not cheap when you talk about when you think about the investment that you make. How do you process that? Because it's, again, it's, it's not cheap. How do you justify that? And how do you think through that when it comes to sustainability and, and investing into that? Okay. Yeah. Um, just for reference sake, I, I don't like to get into the numbers, but I will use them because I think they're valuable here. You know, the hog buildings cost me about 1.2 million to put up. Um, that's a large investment. Uh, but those buildings last a lot, long time, and uh, you know, being more efficient with the pigs, you know, those buildings do pay for themselves in the long run by, again, keeping those uh, hogs comfortable and you know, you know, containing the manure in pits, you know, until it's supplied. They're all good things uh, for sustainability, and uh, like solar panels. You know, the solar panels when I put them up, uh, that was about another two hundred thousand dollar investment. Again, that's not free and cheap. So it, it takes a little while for the savings and electricity to pay for that. Um, but yeah, again, it's something more sustainable. And putting LED lights in again is not as costly as those two things, but it, it does cost money up front to do all these things. Um, but you know, it does pay back in the long run. And I love how you fit on the. You know, I was going to jump in on that. I, I was yeah. sorry, Matthew, to interrupt you, but. It was one of the things that's so interesting to me as Gary is talking is that, you know, it feels like in the in the conservation agriculture community, we often put different practices in boxes, right? Like here's your animal well welfare standards. Here's your, um, you know, your your conservation agriculture standards. Here's maybe your, you know, ecological efficiency, your energy efficiency standards. But from a consumer standpoint, what Gary's doing is exactly what a consumer expects and would consider sustainable, right? Everything across the operation being uh, thought about in ways that are as responsible 
pragmatically responsible as is possible. Um, and so I, I, I just want to, I just wanted to point out that this conversation of how the, how it's going, how, how Gary is thinking about all of this doesn't fit into neat boxes, but it, it, it actually is meeting consumer expectations, um, at a level that, you know, sometimes the boxes we talk about don't. I mean, absolutely. And what I loved about when, when Gary, you were talking about it, you were talking about welfare, you hit on sustainability and you hit on efficiencies, which is profitability. They all, they all go together. If we raise a healthy pig and we do it sustainably, we're all going to be successful producers for the most part. Right? So we're all incentivized naturally to be sustainable. And you've seen that in the history of this industry for the last 30, 40, 50 years. It's constantly becoming more sustainable, regardless of external pressures or not. And when we think about the consumer and we think about their expectations, I'd love to pivot into the on-farm sustainability reports. Gary, can you tell me about what the National Pork Board has done with those on-farm sustainability reports? What benefits they bring to your operation? Uh, sure. Um... It, uh, you know, the sustainability reports <laughs> is uh, a way of collecting your data and what you're doing in your operation and uh, plugging those in and uh, shows how sustainable they are for like uh, sequestering carbon, um, also um, um, using less uh, carbon-based products in your operation. And uh, it's very good. Um, way to track it, it's kind of helps let us know where we are right now. And um, the sustainability reports can supply you with information to make moves to be even better along the road. And it helps you also compare how you are to compared with the, 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 the average or what the combination of the rest of the industry is. So how, how I mean, how do you think they best build trust? Um, well, um, these reports use um, scientifically backed data and research to uh, make the statements that they do. So uh, we can uh, bring that towards the consumer and say, this is what we're doing. And here's proof of what, how, how it's helping and being sustainable. And um, I think that uh, can go a long ways in helping the consumer understand what we're really doing out here and how we're working to be sustainable and how far we already are along in that path. How hard is it to do them? Are they pretty simple to go through or is it pretty onerous? They, they are pretty simple to go through. It doesn't take a lot of time. You know, most of us have learned to collect the data for various reasons. Um, it's, so it's just a matter of taking a little bit of time and collecting it all at one time to uh, uh, do the report. How, how has seeing the results of that report impacted your, how you think as a producer? Um, yeah, I, I've looked at my reports and, um, you know, it, with all the practices I, I've listed up to you up front there, I'm not trying to brag here, but I'm uh, kind of ahead of the curve uh, on a lot of this stuff. So it tells me I, I need to be talking to other producers and helping them work towards um, making um, improvements in their sustainability. And um, that's, for me, one of the things that, that helps me 
uh, work with our producers to get them to strive to be even better. So Amy, sustainability. Yes, sir. What does it mean to you? What, where, where does your passion for sustainability come from? Oh, well, you know, my passion for sustainability has been with me as long as I can remember. Um, then the, the natural world, I, I grew up in the suburbs of DC. I am not a farm kid and the natural world, you know, which may have meant grass and trees, um, was just a place that really called to me. It was a place that I grew up playing, you know, long before the days of video games and screens. I was outside all the time that I could be. Um, and I just have such a huge connection to other things that live. Um, so, so for me, sustainability, then as I, as I sort of grew up and studied it and thought about making it a life's work really felt like, um, you know, an, a, a, a really practical, really almost self-interested type of cause. Because to me, at its simplest, sustainability is making sure that what we do today doesn't make it so that our future selves or our future generations uh, have a harder time meeting their needs, right? Meeting the needs of today in ways that don't compromise the ways of meeting future generations' needs. And so that's everything. That's human beings. That's the animals we care for. That's the environment writ large. That's the climate. Um, and it's it is so interesting to be you know alive and and working in society during a time in which we are seeing something that has not been true forever, which is that humans can have such a such a, a real impact on the environment in which we live. And so then thinking through what does that mean? Um, what does that mean from a responsibility standpoint uh, is, is really what, what drives me. That's awesome. Can you tell us about Climate Smart and uh, how it's impacting sustainability efforts? Uh, I think I think that's the well, what the billion dollar question, couple billion dollar question right now, right? Um, so, uh, climate smart is a relatively new term um, that has what is it? Been, you know been been thrust upon us in the last couple of years. Um, I, I think what it starts to do is recognize, in a really theoretical kind of fancy word way, what Gary <laughs> was talking about living on his on his operation, which is that we live in living ecosystems and all things are connected. And so, you know, if if our conservation agriculture efforts were really focused on, say, one environmental outcome like water quality, those same kinds of practices actually turn out to have a lot of benefits for the air um, and for the concentration of greenhouse gases uh, in the atmosphere. And so to me, it's, you know, it's a new flavor of things that we've, of principles that we have known for a very long time um, and have been putting in practice for a very long time. But, but the, but the emphasis that might be new is just how, um, how big the opportunity might be for agriculture, especially U.S. agriculture, as it relates to being a solution to, you know, climate change challenges. Um, Obviously, agriculture has has an environmental footprint, has a climate footprint 
in the United States, it's pretty minuscule compared to other ways that the United States has a climate footprint. And we're one of just a few industries really that could look and say, gosh, we have a whole bunch of solutions um, that could actually help in our toolkit. And so I think that's what it's really about is, uh, you know, what are, what are the solutions that are in our toolkit that we've actually been doing for a long time? How do we ramp them up? How do we mainstream them? Um, how do we make them part of everyday operations? And then, you know, how do we make them make sense financially and operationally for folks? In some ways, just how do we talk about them in a way where people outside of our industry recognize like uh, we've actually been doing this and are making it better? Because I think sometimes we think of sustainability as like I really love Gary's examples because lights, wet, dry feeders, things that we're already doing that we might have not thought about as sustainability um, helps us tell a, tell a better message. And we've seen with carbon credits and everything over the past few years that this whole idea of collaborating across industries is, is really picking up. How has, how has that been so important to sustainability and, uh, and climate smart? Yeah. Um, I think that the idea of connecting in really tangible ways, consumers who are telling us, especially younger consumers who are telling us that they want to feel good about what they're eating. They don't want to feel guilty, right? That's really the root of all of this. They want to feel good about what they're eating. It needs to be healthy for them. It needs to not um, be portrayed as contributing to, you know, a looming climate crisis or any other environmental issue. Uh, they need to believe that producers care for their animals. So, so these demands are out there. <laughs> um, and, you know, our, there's a lot of steps um, in the food chain between a producer and that end consumer. Um, and I think what we all see is this opportunity with the concept of climate smart practices or climate smart commodities and the new funding that's available to help promote climate smart commodities that we may actually be able to tie together the producer and the consumer uh, more closely than we ever have. Well, not than we ever have, than we are today, like in my lifetime. Um, and additionally, then that has to involve every stakeholder in between, right? Um, it has to involve all of the processors and the packers and the food companies and the food marketing companies and the re food retailers. Um, it has to in involve the whole ecosystem that gets, you know, food on our plate. And so that's what's kind of cool about the Climate Smart Commodities grant program uh, that folks have been hearing about. Um, we at Trust and Food have uh, have won one of those grants to be fully transparent. Uh, National Pork Board is a really important partner to us in one of those grants. And um, and that's what we're really trying to do. We're trying to figure out how do we empower producers to, to be able to provide consumers exactly like you said, Matt, the information about what they're doing in ways that consumers can see it, touch it, feel it, and then feel good about it. Okay. And you, you hit on it. It's been a real change because sustainability or where your food came from or how it was raised used to be something you would consider. And it's become an ethical dilemma for a lot of people. It's, it's kind of grown into a subcategory of people's ethics. And that's, that's changed a lot. And so how is trust in food improving, improving consumer or stakeholder trust 
in livestock and crop production. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I would say it has become an ethical dilemma, and I'm glad to hear us say that as baldly as you just said it, because uh, I do think producers need to hear it. It's also a tempest in a teapot, right? Those of us who are close to agriculture understand, but but consumers are so far from agriculture now. And what we have tended to do is say, oh, everything's fine, just believe us. And I don't know about you, but you know, if if you have something some opinion in your mind. I don't know how compelling a, 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 a just believe us story is. So what what Trust in Food really is doing, particularly with this grant, and it ties into the conversation about the on-farm sustainability reports, you know, we really believe that data and information is the most powerful tool in a producer's toolkit. Because if if you can collect information and data in a systematic way, um, then you can send that up the food chain, literally, uh, on its way to the consumer, and you can provide the information about the responsible um, practices that you are undertaking, and then that consumer can see um, uh, in a validated way what it is you're doing and, 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 and judge for themselves if what you're doing makes sense. And so, you know, the this all comes down to the power of data. Um, and to me... Uh, one of the most important sort of new concepts is that actually data is um, is one of the most valuable commodities, really, that producers are are producing. And so, um, Trust and Food has done some work over the years, um, and and what we see is that only about a third of all producers are. This isn't specific to the pork industry. This is across the board, um, row crops and livestock. Only about a third of those of those producers are actually capturing data in sort of a systemized, systematized, digitized way through some sort of like farm management software. Um, so that's about two thirds of producers who are not ready yet to send the signals to consumers like, hey, we stand behind the way that we are producing our products, and here's how we're going to show you that. Um, so what what we're really doing, uh, you know, we're, we do a lot, but one of the main thrusts of this project is really to get producers comfortable, set up with the farm level, level data collection um, program that works for them, uh, support them with agronomic support uh, as they need to implement these, you know, conservation agriculture, climate smart agriculture type of practices. And then also to provide some risk mitigation from a financing standpoint, right? Change involves some risk. And so, you know, I think about this as both, you know, providing some incentives to help bridge gaps, but also, frankly, to 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 take some of the risk out of making change across an operation. And yeah, I'd like to add a little bit here, Matt, if I can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, climate smart agriculture, you know, is a fairly new term, but I, I feel that agriculture farmers in particular over time uh, um, has done what they feel is climate smart agriculture at, at any given point of time. Uh, as the, the knowledge changes about what is uh, truly climate friendly, agriculture and farmers do change for that. It just takes time and effort and some risk and changing techniques. And I think um, uh, these grants here is a good way to help producers make those changes to, to keep moving along. 
Yeah, I mean, and as a consumer, when you're looking through the lens, uh, producers haven't necessarily, they've had some disadvantages. And the disadvantages in a lot of ways have been the amount of funding that have gone to other countries and into the food system, where they basically subsidized and covered all of the cost to um, help a producer trace everything through the supply chain. And so now customers now and consumers are looking and saying, well, how come everybody else over there is tracking things through the food chain? And why aren't we? And it's it's not that we're doing anything different from a practices standpoint. It's just, it's really hard if you don't have the support from the government or from everyone involved to, to actually check all the boxes. The producer can be super sustainable, but if that can't make it through the packer and we can't track that to the consumer, well, then it's it's hard to really succeed in that. So it's a, it's a group effort. Everyone's in, everyone's in this together, and it sounds like we're really now getting the support and help financially to make that ho- make that possible. And that's exciting because I think the consumer will be blown away at what they what they will learn if they if they take the time to actually look at what they will be being provided. So it's really exciting to see to see how consumers' perceptions and their confidence will change once they start to see all of this. I hundred percent agree, Matthew. I think that um, I think that was sort of one of the one of the genius ideas behind the Climate Smart Commodities Program is that it actually does uh, require the folks getting grants to have the climate smart practices show up in a commodity product, right? Um, and that's what com- consumers recognize. So yeah, absolutely. So as we wrap up here, I'd like to ask if any of you uh, have final thoughts that you would like to share. Anything we didn't uh, well, that you'd like to share around sustainability? Uh, I, I'll, I'll start, share something here. Um, it's a kind of a little thought for me um, and uh, the sustainability here. Um, change uh, also often takes us out of our comfort zone. Uh, Human nature, we, we we tend to try to keep doing what's comfortable. Um, but uh, when we get out of our comfort zone, um, to me, that um, change can pr- uh, provide some great opportunities uh, when we do make those changes. So it's there is some risk and um, uncertainty there, but I, I think uh, great things are to come from it. You know, I'm going to build directly from Gary's. I'm glad you went first, Gary, because what was going through my head is um, I'm going to mangle the quote. But, you know, there's there's sort of this quote about um, not making a change is a not deciding to change is a decision in and of itself. And so, you know, I think that uh, what we can see very clearly is that the environment in which producers are operating, the market in which producers are operating, the, the, the expectations are changing. And you know, our whole mission at Trust in Food at Farm Journal is really to help producers navigate that change because it's coming quickly and, um, and find the space that works best for them and their operation. Um, and, and what we really see is that there seems to be sort of a um, conventional wisdom that like, oh, gosh, we just have to have the financial wherewithal to change. And we would agree uh, we need to have the 
the incentives and the de-risking from a financing standpoint to make that happen. But I'd also ask folks listening to think about what is their gut and their heart sort of telling them about what they're feeling around risk? Um, What are they really worrying about? What's really the barrier in their way? Um, And once you've sort of identified that within yourself, that's just beyond the financing, but you know, I am, I am a, I don't have the labor that I need to make a change. I don't, um, I don't want to go against the way that my family has always done this. Uh, I don't trust people with my information and data. Therefore, I don't want to provide it. Like getting in touch with what really is concerns is really an important part of the, you know, the beginnings of a change process. So Amy, could you lead off by sharing a golden nugget, a bit of life wisdom that you've, you've found along the way? Sure. Um, so I probably have to do a plug, uh, for my home state here, the great state of Minnesota, um, which, uh, styles itself as the state of hockey. Um, you know, I think that all of us, uh, do best in life when we follow what Wayne Gretzky said, right. And skate not to where the puck has been, but to where the puck is going. Um, and I really think that applies to today's, uh, today's pork producers more than anything. That guy's had some good quotes in his life. <laughs> he sure has. Yeah. Sure has. How about you, Gary? Um, my golden nugget, I guess, would just kind of build off of my last statement here. Um, don't get stuck in your um, comfort zone. Uh, as uh, people, we need to continue to change and evolve. And uh, that usually... Um, in the long run, provides for a more rounded person, a, a better life, and uh, just things in general are better. Uh, it's that's part of life is changing. Uh, if you uh, you quit changing, you probably are dead. Oh, that's great! And I always love the term "be comfortable being uncomfortable" and strive to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Because, like you're saying, it's change is always going to happen, and uh, if you can't find a way to be comfortable being uncomfortable you're just gonna be unhappy or you're gonna die right you're just gonna your, your business is gonna fall apart and so i i really appreciate you both joining the popular pig podcast this has been a nice dive into sustainability and some of the new things that are going on and really appreciate you taking the time to join us yeah, thank thanks you, so much for having us Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.